the Limit, and this is a special midweek episode to discuss a hugely unprecedented and incredible situation that occurred yesterday, and that was the execution of a search warrant and the seizure of materials from President Trump's Florida home, Mar-a-Lago. The first uh, interview, it's actually two interviews that are, that are on this podcast. The first one was done on WABC radio. As soon as the search and seizure was made public, it was on the Frank Morano show, The Other Side of Midnight. And then the next morning, I did, uh, which is my usual Monday hit, I did an additional one on Tuesday morning on WOR Radio in New York City, the Len Berman and Michael Riedel show. And we had a little more information there, talked about what was going on. But I think that the two interviews are important, and I think they lay out a lot of the legal uh, scenarios that occurred. But the bottom line is this, such a search warrant execution of a former president has never occurred in the history of America, and it really just reveals the deep mistrust that the Department of Justice has with Donald Trump. So these are two back-to-back interviews. You'll hear the first one is with Frank Morano. The second one is with Len Berman and Michael Riedel. And uh, you'll hear me next Monday morning on the regularly scheduled episode of Beyond the Legal Limit. Thank you. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. We are in the midst of one of the biggest legal stories that we've seen in a while and one of the biggest political stories that we've seen in a while. So we have woken up a fellow that is not exactly a uh, shrinking violet when it comes to being outspoken on both legal issues and political issues. We have Jeffrey Lickman, veteran criminal defense attorney. He's represented the likes of John Gotti Jr., El Chapo, and a whole bunch of other bold-faced names of every variety of criminal in the federal courts, in the state courts, you name it. He's also the host of a very popular podcast, one of the fastest-growing podcasts that there is. It's Beyond the Legal Limit with Jeffrey Lickman. Jeff, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Thanks for having me, Frank. So, Jeff, before we get into what exactly happened with this raid at Mar-a-Lago, just so folks understand your perspective, because it seems like so few people are able to actually be objective. If folks like Trump, they're viewing this as some sort of a witch hunt. If folks don't like Trump, they're viewing this as the last stop before he gets the electric chair for treason. Just so folks understand where you're coming from, from what I remember, you're you're a pretty big fan of a lot of Trump's policies, especially on uh, foreign policy, but not a big fan of him and his personality and that whole thing. Is that basically a fair characterization? I don't think that really is. I mean, I don't care about his personality. That's not a reason why I would support or not support um, a politician. I I think he's an idiot, and I think that a lot of the things that he's done or didn't do um, were because of his idiocy. And had he been more competent, what happened today never would have happened. Had he cleaned house um, the deep swamp that he constantly talked about that he was going to do, but for four years he did nothing. Jeff Sessions, Chris Ray, uh, Rex Tillerson, uh, all these guys just stayed in their jobs forever. Uh, the various generals that refused to uh, follow his orders, he just never fired anybody. And he talked about cleaning out the swamp, but he didn't do it. And this is what happens when you have your enemy down and you don't 
knock them out. All right, uh, and now you have this search at, at Mar-a-Lago, which is frankly bonkers. All right, and I, I don't support Trump, but I think what happened today is, is absolute madness. So let's talk about what exactly happened, what we know. What's being reported is that this raid was tied to removal of classified material uh, in an unauthorized manner. What do we know at this point about what happened? Apparently, there was a search warrant that was signed by a judge to uh, search Mar-a-Lago. They went into it. They broke into a safe. They were allowed to apparently do that. There's a padlocked room, apparently, at Mar-a-Lago. But, you know, representatives from the National Archives, I believe, were there in June and took back some of these documents, some of them that were marked classified. But normally, in a situation like this, you contact the guy's lawyer and say, listen, here's the documents we need, and you supply them. Um, the only reason they would do it this way is if they believed that Trump was either destroying documents or was going to obstruct justice and refuse to turn over some of the documents, which I haven't seen any proof that's such a case. And when you have a former president, you know, this isn't, um, you know, some wise guy who they're investigating. This is the, the last president of the United States. And to uh, send uh, a team, a team, an army of FBI agents to the man's home um, and basically barge in and take over the place for hours while they search the place from top to bottom, it's absolutely stunning. And I'm not a supporter of Trump, but I'm certainly not a supporter of weaponizing the bureaucracy, which is what's happened here. And this is, again, the problem I had with Trump. It's not because I didn't like his personality. It's because I felt that instead of doing what needed to be done to fix this country, he was too busy fighting on Twitter with imbeciles. And this is what happens. This is what remains. As soon as the Democrats get into office, they don't mess around the way Trump did for four years. And I think it's clear that they're doing everything they can to harm the guy. It's before, right before uh, the midterms. They're about to get destroyed, the Democrats, because they've destroyed America. It's only fair. So what do they do? Well, they're going to have to use some misdirection and blame something on Trump, make him look bad. One, to prevent him, I suppose, for uh, from running against you know Biden or his corpse, whatever's going to be left of him in two years, Biden. Or they want to sort of change the, uh, the whole narrative of the United States, of the country, in order to salvage uh, some seats uh, come November. Just so folks understand from a legal perspective, Jeff, and we're talking with Jeffrey Lickman. He's the host of uh, the Beyond the Legal Limit podcast. You could just search it on any podcast app. It's worth listening to. The legal perspective here, the a judge signed off on this. Now, we know there are very different types of federal judges on the federal bench. Do we have any idea which federal judge signed off on this and who, if that judge may have been a Trump appointee or an Obama appointee or someone else? I don't, I don't think that we have any of that information yet, but I don't even know that it makes a difference because the, the Trump appointee was the judge who handled the Steve Bannon trial. Uh, in D.C. and absolutely eviscerated him. So I'm not sure that Trump uh, judges are even pro-Trump. Uh, I don't know that Trump's made too many great decisions on judges. He certainly made a massive amount of mistakes. I wouldn't be surprised. But also keep in mind for the listeners, when Hillary Clinton was alleged to have used a, a private server for her emails when she was uh, the secretary of state of the country, which was completely against the law. Somehow they didn't bust into her home. Uh, when uh, Hunter Biden, who is engaged in all sorts of, uh, you know, slimy deals 
tax fraud he's being investigated for. Uh, he had uh, uh, people, some of his business associates were in the White House uh, meeting with the big guy, Joe Biden, where he could get his 10 percent. Completely inappropriate. Uh, the guy was getting abused by the Chinese. Somehow he never had his home searched. But, but President Trump, this is a former president of the United States. This what they did to him is bigger than anything that was done to Richard Nixon in Watergate, where, where he certainly committed a crime. There's not even an allegation that Donald Trump committed a crime here. And whatever crime he might have done was withholding or, or taking out uh, documents from the National Archives that he shouldn't have. Is this the same as, as, as the Watergate break-in? This is madness. This is what happens when you allow uh, liberals to take over the country, as we did. And again, this is another reason why I'm pissed at Trump. And your listeners are like, what's wrong with this guy? Why does he hate Trump so much? Well, one of the reasons I hate Trump is because he didn't take the presidency seriously enough. It never seemed to be an important enough job for him. And he allowed Joe Biden, he allowed these really horrible people to get into the White House. And now they're weaponizing, as I said, the bureaucracy, not only against Trump, but the rest of us. They're going to have, what, 80-something thousand more IRS agents? Frank, who do you think they're coming for? They're coming for their enemies. They're coming for us. Uh, just so folks know what's needed to get a search warrant. There have been some people on social media and elsewhere that have said something along the lines of, well, a judge wouldn't have signed off on a search warrant unless there was probable cause that there was some crime committed or some documents related to a crime. As somebody that's been through this process a lot, what actually do you need to show a judge in order to get a search warrant? Well, you don't really need to show all that much. I mean, understand that this is not a trial that a judge is receiving evidence in. He's receiving evidence from one side, and it's completely unchallenged because the defense has no opportunity, as I said, to rebut it uh, when the information is shown to a judge. It's basically a rubber stamp. Uh, 99 times out of 100, a judge will sign whatever a federal agent or a prosecutor puts in front of him and says, here's all the things that we think we can find uh, in Mar-a-Lago, and here are the the, the uh, potential crimes that we think have been uh, violated. But again, this is one side. This is a massively partisan set of prosecutors and federal agents, the FBI. They are massively against Trump. And they, the, the sad thing is, Frank, they've been against Trump since the moment he got into the White House. And it took him too long before he figured it out. And once he realized that he didn't do a damn thing about it, Chris Ray the guy who completely abused them. Who Trump uh, appointed. Was, who Trump appointed. Who Trump appointed and didn't fire. Well, guess what? This is what happens when you have an enemy down. You got your, your, your foot on his neck. You don't let him up. You get rid of him. Trump didn't. And now he's paying the price today. And it's, it's maddening. I would have loved if Trump would have cleaned up the swamp, if he would have gotten rid of these partisan hacks. Instead, in my mind, the reason why he never went after a Hillary Clinton uh, when he certainly had the opportunity, he could have gone after some of his enemies, is that he believed in his mind, if I don't go after them, they won't go after me and my kids. Well, guess what? That was a tremendous miscalculation because they don't care. They're going after the Trump kids. They're going after Trump. They're going to go after anybody aligned with Trump, anybody who's near Trump they go after. They're trying to put in jail. And, you know, Trump had these four years, and we all, you know, watched him fighting with uh, 
stupid Mika and what's her, her idiot husband's <laughs> right, name? Joe, Joe, Joe Scarborough. Scarborough. I mean, this is what he was doing every day. He was fighting on Twitter. And this is why, again, Ron DeSantis, Frank, he is everything that Trump wishes he was. Mm. He's everything that Trump says that he is. This is a guy who walks the walk, who talks the talk, who actually cleans house of bad people that are against him, partisan, leftist, crazed uh, liberals. And this is what DeSantis does. He's smart, he's tough, and he doesn't need to play on Twitter all day like an idiot. All right, well, That's the guy we need. He'll put an end to this. Putting aside the the morality or the eth- ethics of going after your political enemies with the Department of Justice and the FBI, let me ask you some legal questions about how something like this unfolds. Now, as you mentioned, this is totally unprecedented. Not only is Donald Trump the uh, f- former president of the United States, first former president, I think, ever to have his home raided by the FBI, but he's also one of the leading candidates for president in the next presidential election, all very likely to run. For an investigation like this to go forward, who has to sign off on a raid, do you think? Is it the attorney general himself? Is it the head of the FBI himself? Is it both? Is it the president? How high do you think an investigation like this goes? You know, you'd like to think that it should go as high as the White House, the president, but look, let's be honest here. I mean, Joe Biden doesn't know what day of the week. He doesn't know what month it is. Uh, this is a guy that, that can barely keep his diaper on. He's not making any decisions like this, but he doesn't have to. He's just filling a seat, and he's got uh, these partisan hacks around him that are basically running the country. It certainly is the attorney general. Certainly it's the head of the FBI. And these are all people that hate Trump. I mean, is this really, with all that's going on in the world right now, With all that's going on in the world, you've got Chinese spies, you've got Russian spies, uh, you've got the Chinese doing everything they can uh, to to, uh, take over the world, basically. You've got Russia that's slaughtering people in the Ukraine. Uh, They're doing everything they can to harm America. And this is what we're doing. We're going after a former president because he may have some documents that he shouldn't have. I mean, for God's sake, is this where we are with this country? I mean, I guess in a way, Frank, I'm thankful that they're going after Trump for these records. Uh, perhaps maybe they're spending less time on trans rights when they're going after uh, <laughs> uh, Trump. So maybe it's a break. But again, you don't have to be a fan or be somebody who dislikes Trump uh, to be repulsed by this. This is bad. If you don't like Trump, wonderful. But guess what? They're doing this to, to President Trump, and that's what he is. He's President Trump still. They can do this to any of us, and they're they're running amok right now, and you should all be very scared. Every one of your listeners, this is no joke, because this is really an abusive process, weaponizing the bureaucracy, and this is why when you get your chance in the White House, before you've got millions and millions of illegals that are soon going to become Democratic voters, and it's going to be tougher and tougher in order for a Republican ever to get back into the White House again, you get that opportunity, you better clean house from day one. And that's what was so maddeningly frustrating about Trump. He had the four years, and he just never sent, you never sensed any urgency from him, Frank. You never sensed, you know, he talked uh, about what he was going to do, but he never did anything. He just, you know, sort of meandered there and, you know, 
ate a lot of fast food, I suppose. Assuming there was some evidence of illegality here, though, what would have been the proper way for the for this to go about? Should there have been a special prosecutor from the beginning because of the politically sensitive nature of this? Or should there have been some different handling of this case because it's such a high profile case with such political implications? It's very simple. You don't want to appear... Uh, that this is, you know, a partisan uh, hit job. You'd like to think that the Democrats want to make it appear as if they're handling this in an objective manner, that this has nothing to do with politics, that this is an objective uh, FBI that is perhaps doing an investigation. But this isn't what the country is anymore. All they had to do was simply call the man's lawyer Mm. and say, look, you know, the National Archives recovered some of these documents from Mar-a-Lago in June, and we believe there may be some more. I mean, for God's sake, what do they think that he has? Does he have something that's going to, you know, uh, impact our national security? It's it's highly unlikely. You call up. You keep it quiet because you don't want to appear as if this is a partisan move. And that's all this is. <clears throat> it's It's stunning to me. It's absolutely stunning to me how divided this country is, Frank. You know, you're only like 12 years old, so you don't remember (laughs) how the country used to be. And I think it really became wildly partisan, I would say, around the time uh, when we invaded Iraq, I suppose, is when, you know, just the two sides just could never get along. There was just such hatred and mistrust. But the idea that you'd go after uh, the former president like this, it can only be perceived as one way, even if it's absolutely accurate that what he did was a crime. You still don't do it because it it looks stinky mm. uh, and it's it's not required. There's a reason why Alvin Bragg, who the uh, Manhattan District Attorney, who could not be more of a partisan hack. There's not more of a leftist scummy partisan hack than Alvin Bragg. All he cares about is politics, and all he cares about is getting his social justice, and all he cares about is reparations, all that crap. This is a guy. I mean, I haven't heard him mention reparations yet. Well, it's reparations in a different sense. When mm-hmm. you when you don't have bail for people, that's reparations. He's trying to help uh, the black folks because he feels that they've been. Uh, All right. Well, you know, that, okay. that's your your characterization treated. of why he's doing what he's doing. But go ahead. Yes, he, your point was that even Alvin Bragg didn't go forward with a Trump prosecution because it was such a politically loaded prosecution. It so bad. Mm-hmm. Look what happened uh, with this, uh, Steve Bannon's uh, co-defendant in the Manhattan federal case, okay, with the build the wall fraud. Yeah, this is a guy that was wildly guilty. The defense was a clown show. There was no defense at all to it. The fact is the guy just simply stole money uh, under the guise of the fact that he was, uh, uh, you know, trying to raise money to build the wall. He just stole the money. The defense did everything they could, which was very little. It wasn't the defense's fault. It was the fact that there was no defense. Guess what happened? 11 of the jurors in 15 seconds voted to convict him. But one juror in Manhattan said, this is a witch hunt. There's no way that I'm ever going to convict Trump because I see what you're doing. You're going after him in Manhattan for a reason because you think you're going to get 12 liberals. They couldn't convict him here. So that's why Alvin Bragg realized, you know what? This isn't something I really want to do because I'm going to end up losing. It's going to make me look bad. I'm not going to get a conviction. And it also just stinks to high hell. You'd think that the people in Washington would realize what they're doing and what it tells me. They know that it looks like a partisan hit job. 
and they don't care. And that's something that should concern all of us. They simply don't care. And for them not to care that this looks bad, they know that they're going after the Republic, any Republican uh, supporter, any Republican voter. And you'd think, where's Mitch McConnell tonight? Is he out there screaming and yelling? Where are the Republicans? You don't hear a lot of screaming, do you, Frank, from uh, Republicans? N- not, not thus far. Given what you said, though, about the politically sensitive nature of this and how this is going to be viewed by close to half the country, do you think that it's it's possible, and you've dealt with the FBI more than most attorneys, and there have been times when I've seen you cross-examine FBI agents and you actually feel bad for the agent because you call not only their conduct into an indivi- in an individual case into question, but their entire career, their entire life. Uh, because you have to think that the FBI is going to have every move that they make scrutinized here, do you think that maybe they have an open and shut case in terms of criminality, understanding that uh, this should have been handled differently and understanding that this was handled with an effort to do maximum uh, political damage and maximum embarrassment to the former president? Do you think the FBI would be positive that they have sort of a a smoking gun before going forward with such a public raid like this you'd like to think that but i don't think that's the case i mean does this party does the democratic party seem all that concerned about november to you do they seem all that concerned about 2024 to you i don't think they do i don't think they're all that concerned at all even though the fact that Biden has the lowest approval rating, like maybe in the history of America at this point of his presidency. They don't seem to be all that concerned. And that worries me. Why aren't they all that concerned? Well, they seem to have something in their pocket that makes them believe that this is not going to be as bad as it could be. And that's, again, also very frightening. I don't believe for a second that they care um, if this is an open and shut case or not. I think they realize they've got the power and you can't stop us. And that's very scary when you consider that his approval rating is so low. And by all accounts, he should uh, the Democrats should be getting their clocks cleaned in November. They should be losing the Senate. They should be losing the House. I'm not so sure it's going to happen anymore. They seem a little too confident for people that seemingly has have no support. I mean, who in their right mind at this point, after what's been done to this country by this administration, by this political party, how absolutely, utterly insane do you have to be to vote Democratic? Well, I mean, you I know, mean, there are hundreds of millions of people that may feel the same way about uh, folks that would vote for uh, Donald Trump. So what it, we've seen a lot of high profile cases over the years where the target of the investigation, which begins over X, is ultimately tr- tr- tried and in some cases convicted for some sort of derivative charge from the investigation itself. I'm thinking of my friend Roger Stone, who uh, was charged and convicted of multiple counts of lying to the FBI, uh, thinking of Martha Stewart, uh, other cases involving people like Michael Flynn, uh, Roger Clemens to some extent. What do you think the likelihood here is that this is an attempt to get either Donald Trump or folks in Trump's orbit implicated in some sort of a derivative charge? You know, the only thing I can think of is that they're concerned that Trump will beat Biden or, again, whatever's left of Biden in two years. I don't think that he's going to run because I don't think he's either going to be alive or even capable of, of, of speaking complete sentences in two years. I think that 
It suggests to me that the Democrats are afraid of Trump running. They feel that he's going to win again. They feel that whatever uh, cheating that they've uh, been able to employ in the past, they won't be able to do again because they're so far behind right now uh, with Biden because of what he's done to the country. Um, I, I think they feel they got to knock him out one way or another. The problem is going to be is that the more they do to Trump, the more it galvanizes his supporters. Right. Um, and right. not only is it galvanized. Well, that's why I'm not sure there's as much of a political benefit uh, to this as as you and others seem to think that there might be. Well, if look, if the guy's under indictment, Frank, it's going to be very difficult to run for president. I mean, this this you know, this is not a banana republic. Uh, we're not the Palestinians where the leading presidential candidate is rotting in an Israeli jail for killing five Israelis. I mean, we are you know, the great democracy of the world. And if the guy's under indictment, he's not going to be running for president, even as somebody as crazy as Trump is. So I think that it has to be an effort uh, to damage Trump. But, you know, keep in mind that you've got he's got a base that's not a huge amount. It's not half the country. His base is MAGA base. I don't know if it's 25 percent of the country, but there's a lot of voters in order for him to win an election. He's going to have to get conservative Democrats. He's going to have to get, um, you know, middle of the road Republicans that are repulsed by his idiocy over the four years. And that's the only way he's going to win. And something like this, this is going to galvanize those people, too. It's not just the MAGA people. They're not going to change. As Trump famously uh, supposedly said that. You know, he could commit a murder on Fifth Avenue in the middle of the day and his supporters will still stand behind him. But what about everybody else who's so disgusted at the direction this country's going? It's bad enough with, you know, the 40 year high inflation, uh, with the economy in the toilet, with foreign policy, the worst decisions that could have possibly been made. You know, we were told by the Taliban when uh, Biden abandoned the country, uh, Afghanistan to them. Don't worry, we're not going to let other terrorists into the country that want to harm America. And who do they end up having to kill inside uh, Afghanistan who's standing on the balcony of his expensive home? Well, uh, the, the head of uh, al-Qaeda who who thought up... Uh, right. M.N. Al-Zwahiri, right, Dr. Al-Zwahiri. Exactly. Uh, I mean, this, is, this is the idiocy that we have from the Biden administration. Uh, so, you know, who, anything is possible. We cannot let these people take over the country and keep control of it for much longer because I don't know how much more Jeff, can go uh, I'm almost out of time, but there's two final legal questions related to this that I have to ask you about. One has to do with the president's ability to declassify things. I remember in um, 2017, there was a lot of reports that Trump gave classified information to classified information to the Russian ambassador, Sergei Kislyak. And then ultimately, all the legal scholars, even people that didn't like Trump, said, well, look, the president can declassify anything he wants. If the president decides this is no longer classified. You can agree with that decision, disagree with it, but there's no legal basis for uh, for disputing that. Why, if Trump wanted to take certain items to Mar-a-Lago for whatever reason, why would he simply not have just declassified whatever information that he wanted to take? Surely he must have had some lawyer in his orbit, either on his personal orbit or on the White House staff, that would have given him that advice. Why wouldn't he have done that? You know, I think that you could ask a series of questions about why wouldn't Trump do a lot of things, Frank. Um, and this may be like number 700 in line. I don't know. I think it depends on what uh, the, the documents were. But nothing would surprise me that Trump did or didn't do. I mean, he doesn't exactly, um, you know, know all the rules, Frank. And he may have some lawyers around him. There's not that many left that are still standing by him, are there? 
No, for it, a reason. That's fair. And uh, finally, a lot of people may remember the incident regarding Sandy Berger, President Clinton's sure. national security advisor, who, after Clinton had left office, he essentially stole some documents from the National Archives, shoved them down his pants, and then ultimately pled guilty to a misdemeanor for doing that. How does, again, we don't know all the details here, but based on what we do know, how does what we're seeing from Trump uh, compare to that Sandy Berger? Berger case? Well, I mean, Sandy Berger wasn't a former president, and Sandy Berger, I think, was actually stuffing documents down his pants or in his socks um, and got caught, I think, as he was leaving. I don't believe that there was any kind of search warrant that was uh, executed at his home, but even then, I mean, this is a, a, a minor person compared to the president. When you have the president of the United States, if you think that he's committed a crime and you're going to do something like this, I think it should be for a crime that's really impacting national security. I mean, if it's regarding documents that don't really mean, you know, more than a hell of beans, Frank. Well, well, and we don't know what, what the we documents really want mean, to do. Ultimately. Whatever they are. Right. I mean, are they that important that we felt the need to send, you know, an army of FBI agents? <clears throat> and we know how biased the FBI is. You know, when I was a, a younger lawyer, Frank, if you can believe, the FBI was filled with conservatives who actually were law and order types. If you can believe that a law and order organization was actually law and order people filled inside. Now you've got these crazed leftists, and it's the same thing with the U.S. attorney's offices. If you look at these prosecutors, nine out of ten federal prosecutors, when I was a young lawyer in 1990, they were all Republicans. Mm. They were all law and order types. Now they're crazed leftist lunatics. They're lunatics that are in the U.S. attorney. They're so far left, that you, you can't even believe it. This is what our government is now filled with. And I think it really started with Obama. Uh, Obama was the one that just changed all the culture in Washington. And, you know, we all sat around uh, and watched. We sat around and did nothing while the schools were filled with teachers that brainwashed. Uh, Jeff, we're going to have to end it there. I, I, I could talk with you all day. We'll talk again soon. Jeffrey Lickman, if you uh, are in the mood for committing a major crime, make sure you have his number close by. If you're in the mood for this kind of commentary on a regular basis, be sure to subscribe to the Beyond the Legal Limit podcast with Jeffrey Lickman. Jeff, thank you. Thank you, Frank. Now let's get into it, into the raid on Mar-a-Lago with our pal, usually with us on Mondays, but he's agreed to jump in to give us his take on this, Jeffrey Lickman, the famed criminal defense attorney and the host of the podcast Beyond the Legal Limit with Jeffrey Lickman. You can find it right here on iHeartRadio. All right, Jeffrey, you have, I'm sure, over the years dealt with many clients whose houses, whose premises have been raided by the FBI. And I keep hearing from people on the left and people like Len, well, they would only do this if there was something there. Well, I mean, look, that's according to the person that's requesting the search warrant. You know, when you get a search warrant, you go to a judge, but it's not litigated by both sides. You've simply got an agent who provides facts to a prosecutor. They slap it together in an affidavit, uh, put it into an application to a judge, and 99% of the time, the judge is going to sign it unless there's something facially wrong with it because Think about it. You, you're just reading facts that are, you know, purported to be true. You can't say to the agent, you know, can you prove all this? There are facts that are put in, it's signed, and it's done. And in these types of situations, 
they can go one of two ways when they want records. Normally, when there's cooperation with a, a target or a subject of a, of a criminal investigation, you're going back and forth with the lawyers, which is what happened here. For months, they were going back and forth with the Trump lawyers. Documents had been returned that were uh, purportedly taken from the National Archives, and that happens. He left the office, and he took materials that he shouldn't have, and he returned them. But apparently, at that point, you know, if there's some they're missing, you work it out lawyer to lawyer because that's how you've been working. Only in a situation where they believe that a crime has been committed and they're afraid that Trump is going to destroy or conceal or somehow uh, not return documents, they feel they can't trust the lawyer, they can't trust Trump, and they've got to go in there with 20 cars and rip the place apart. And I have to tell you, you know, look, it may be that by the letter of the law there was a violation. I don't know. Because you can't, you can't just simply say, well, it must have happened. That's like saying anytime someone's indicted, that, that means that the guy must be guilty. It's just not the case. You've got a guy who just was president, and the way this looks, like you're weaponizing uh, the FBI, yep. I mean, it's, right. just, it's insanity. Even if it's true, it's insanity because it just, it just changes the discourse in America, and it makes us feel, and it's not just Republicans, because I can't stand Trump. It makes us feel that, look, You've now got an FBI, this law enforcement organization that's supposed to be objective and independent, and they are working for one party. You just can't do it for a guy who was the president. They treated him worse than Richard Nixon. You've got Hunter Biden, who the FBI, it's clear, and the FBI even admits it that there was bias to cover up uh, the Hunter Biden's uh, uh, actions and potential crimes. Uh, the FBI covered up for him for two years, and yet they never raided his house. And he's under a criminal investigation for tax evasion. It's absolutely stunning that this could have happened. Now, look, the problem with the law that they're investigating him for, for having uh, broken, is that if he's convicted, he can't run for office again. But that's the goal, Jeffrey. That's the goal. They're, they're so afraid of him running again. They want to convict him on anything to prevent him from running. You, that's the end game. Can you believe, seriously, can you believe that, that the Democrats, it's almost insane that they're afraid of Donald Trump as a candidate after they supposedly beat him one time, they trounced him. What are they afraid of? It's just it's stunning to me that they would do this because all they're doing is galvanizing one side. You're getting people on the, on the, on the right. Right or wrong for what Trump did is you have to there's sometimes you have to have some prosecutorial discretion. And in a situation like this, you don't do this because unless these records are so important that are going to lead to the downfall of America, you how could you possibly you know, go after him in this way? Because it looks so bad. It makes us look like a banana republic, even if Trump is guilty. Jeffrey, let me jump in here just to prove I'm alive. Um, let me. <laughs> well, that's a first. I, I have. Uh, I, I have. I hear you. I hear your diatribe. I heard Riedel's little speech at the beginning of the segment. I have trouble believing that Merrick Garland has been weaponized by the Democrats, the radical left, to stop Trump from running for office again. I, th I think there must be something here. I don't think it's just about a box of, of materials. I think it's going to come out that there's something here. That, now, whether they should go after a former president, I don't think they should, personally. I really don't. I don't think they should have gone after Nixon. Win. I don't think they should go after Trump. But th this is more than just, you know, the, this nonsense. that Well, they don't want him to run. They're weaponizing Merrick Garland. It's just about some document he forgot to return. I think it's a lot more than this. 
Len, you basically supported what, what Michael and I said. Is you and, and what I said as well is that even if there was a technical violation of the law, and there, you I know, think it's more. But I think it's more than that. But I think it's more than that. If it's a technical, what, what, what more could be a violation of the law? Like two well, I don't violations know. of Has the it law? come out? We don't know. But the point is, is, is how do you go after a sitting president? It looks bad, and for the future, it changes the, the, the discourse. And who's to say that as soon as the Republican gets into office, that he's not going to immediately try to indict the former Democratic president? It, exactly. As you just said, you don't go after the president. When Jerry Ford uh, pardoned Richard Nixon, and nobody liked Richard Nixon, he had like a 3% approval rating when he resigned. Wasn't there like an audible sigh of relief in the country? Because you just don't want it. It doesn't help. It makes the yeah. country feel unstable was. when you when you're going after a president. Yeah. And there may have been a violation of the law here, but unless it was something where you know he's conspiring with with Russia to destroy America, which you know that it's not true, you just can't do this because it looks bad. Go lawyer to lawyer. Sometimes you have to have the prosecutorial discretion to stand down and not do it. You don't go after a former president like this. And it's really as simple as that because it makes the country feel unstable. And one of the reasons that Biden purportedly got elected is that we wanted to bring some stability back into the White House. And that's really been thrown, you know, into the toilet today. And, and look, respectfully, the idea that Merrick Garland isn't a partisan hack. Come on. Oh, come on. Really? You know that. All right, Jeffrey. Come Jeffrey I don't, Lickman. I don't believe it. He is a total partisan hack. All right, famed criminal defense attorney Jeffrey Lickman. Check out his podcast, Beyond the Legal Limit with Jeffrey Lickman. Find it on iHeart. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thank you, guys. Up next, speaking of Joe Biden, we have another example of just how on top of things he is. I'm telling you, this guy is as sharp as a tack. Coming up next. Have you ever taken your boat out for the weekend and couldn't find a slip at the marina? As boaters, we've all been there. Don't let your weekend on the water be ruined. You can find awesome marinas and reserve your spot with Snag a Slip's mobile app. Once you've determined your boating destination, all you do is set your dates and enter your boat's dimensions. It's really that simple, and there's no booking fee. Just explore, book, and boat. Download the app today and get $15 off your first slip with code SNAG15. 